0: Well, I want to say good morning and welcome to all of uh, you joining us at Calvary Quakertown. It's good to have you with us this morning. We're in a series that we're calling Reality Check. And the reason for the series is we live in a world of fake news and misinformation. And if you live with fake news kind of guiding you or misinformation being your direction, you wind up getting into trouble, destroying your life, other people's lives. So we've been taking a reality check on a number of different areas. So, we've talked about community, we've talked about Christianity, we've talked about marriage, and this morning we're going to talk about worry. A reality. Now, none of you worry, I'm sure, and so this message may not actually be for you. Uh, but my guess is we live in a world of anxiety, and anxiety only seems to increase rather than decrease as we go through life. So we need to do a reality check and check ourselves, how can we understand anxiety and worry, and then how can we live in response to that, decreasing those particular factors? Now if you were here last week, we did a reality check on God, and kind of in a nutshell, we encapsulated the series. So if you want to know in a nutshell what the whole series is, you still have to listen for the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, but if you want the series in a nutshell, here's how it goes. God created human beings to experience pleasure and purpose and fulfillment. God wants us to have those things. That's his original intention. But in order to experience them, we have to live under God's direction, kind of in the sphere in which God calls us to live. Whenever we live outside that sphere, We're not going to experience pleasure and fulfillment and purpose. Our lives are going to run off the rails. And so we're doing a reality check to remind ourselves of what the rails are so that we can then live our lives back on the rails and experience life as God intended. And there's no place like worry to kind of see the results of how that works or how that doesn't work when we live outside of it. We live in, as I said before, an anxious world an anxious culture the reality is anxiety a couple of years ago we did a series called the genius of Jesus and we looked at the Sermon on the Mount and uh, I'm always reminded that in quick succession kind of right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount three times Jesus gives the same command like in quick succession and you know if you just read it 3 you're thinking well Jesus do you think they're hard of hearing why do you have to keep saying the same thing and so here's how it goes Jesus says right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount therefore i tell you do not worry right you get it right just a couple verses later jesus says so do not worry like what and a handful of verses later he says therefore do not worry why in the world does jesus have to say the same thing like in 10 verses say the same thing three times the reason is because we all worry now in the context They're worrying about money. They're worrying about clothing. They're worried about what they're going to eat. They're worrying about the necessities and the wants of life. And they're wondering if they're going to get them. And Jesus says, hey, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. I said don't worry about that. But we continue to worry about that. Paul picks up that same idea in his letter to the Philippians. And Paul says it like this. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, I know you're very quick to respond and say, yeah, but if Paul knew my life, if Paul knew my situation, time out, time out, remember Paul's life? Shipwrecked, beaten, you know, it wouldn't be that uncommon for Paul to be standing and preaching, for have the congregation, the people run up, grab him, pull him off the stage and start beating him, drag him out and stone him. This is probably a time for me to say, thank you all not doing that to me I really appreciate that Uh, so did Paul have a worry-free life oh add to that when Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians he's in prison and people outside are slandering him they're saying he's in prison because he's outside of God's will he's not doing what God wants that's why he's in prison and in that context living that kind of life Paul says Don't be anxious about anything. Wow. I uh, sat down this past week and began to think uh, a little bit through my life. You know, when I was a kid, I used to worry about tests in school and getting good grades. I used to worry about getting in trouble. I used to worry about my parents finding out I got in trouble. And in my mind, I used to say, any of you like this? In my mind, I used to say, yeah, but just wait till I'm an adult. You know, when I'm an adult, without my parents and teachers looking over my shoulder, correcting everything, when I'm an adult, I won't have any worries. Then I got a little older, and I worried about uh, getting into the right college. Then I worried about, you know, getting good enough grades and graduating so you can have a career. And I really worried about finding a girl that I wanted to marry that also wanted to marry me. Right? You have to kind of sync that up. right? Uh, there are lots of people you'd like to marry. You stand no shot of them wanting to marry you. Then There are other people that want to marry you. You don't want to marry them. You know, finding one that you want to marry and they want to marry again. And I worried about that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, but if I, if I ever find that one and I, you know, I kind of lock her down, you know, with a marriage thing, I'll never worry again. And then I got married. And then we started worrying. You know, Kim and I were married for over six years before we had kids. And I began to, oh, my friends are having kids. Like, I began to worry, am I going to have a kid? And I thought, you know what? If I just had a kid or two, I would never worry again. (laughs) And uh, that lasted about four seconds after that kid was born. And I quickly figured out that baby is eight pounds of unceasing worry. That's what that is. And in my mind, I began to think, oh, okay, but when they leave the house, my worries will exit with them, right? And once they check out, you know, but they check back in, I realize that too. But once they check out for good, and and I don't know when for good, but once they check out, my worries will be over because I've done my duty. But my worries didn't leave, right? I mean, I'm beginning to think that maybe this worry thing is unending. Now, I have a grandson and there are a whole host of worries wrapped up around him. After all, look at who his parents are. Um, uh, so here's the point. Yeah, we live in the midst of anxiety and worry, don't we? Why does Jesus say, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry? Why does Paul say, don't worry, don't worry? Because we're surrounded by worry. After all, there's a lot of stuff to worry about. We can worry about the economy, we can worry about our neighbors, we can worry about our job, we worry about our finances, worry about retirement, worry about our health, worry about our spouse, our future spouse, our no spouse, worry about being single. We can worry, worry, worry. And in the midst of all that, Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Well, how can we navigate that? Well, here's how we're going to navigate. In Philippians 4, in the verses that precede and follow, do not be anxious about anything. It's almost as if Paul gives us a little prescription. He prescribes for us how not to worry. So let me read these verses to you. And we're going to walk back and I'm going to give you some steps. Because I know you need steps. I can tell by, look, some of you are worried. How long is this message going to be? Right? You're worried about that. All right, so here we go. Philippians 4.4. 4, and you see if you can tease out the four steps in prescription. And we'll go back through them quickly. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Well, there's kind of a prescription there. So we're going to walk through. Here's the first part of the prescription from verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice you're thinking, wait, how in the world does rejoicing fit with worrying? I'm worried about all the stuff that can happen. Yes, rejoice, rejoice. Here's what Paul says. Stop one, step one is celebrate. Step back from your worry and all those thoughts that are circulating in your mind. And they're just going round and round and round. Right, just like that hamster where you don't seem to stop it. Paul says, you can't just say stop worrying. Rather than worry, celebrate. Now, what are you going to celebrate? Look back over your life and celebrate the goodness of God. I made a little list on your behalf this week. I know I'm saying celebrate, and here's what some of you are thinking, because I know you. Here's what some of you are thinking. Charles, you don't understand. I got this same old job. I got this same old house or apartment. I got this same old spouse. I'm living in that same old house, click. You know, checking in, hitting in, hitting out or that same old job, kissing that same old wife and husband. I'm doing the same old, same old. Look, here's the reality. Time out. Here's the reality. Somewhere in this world, maybe a whole lot closer to this world, there are a lot of people that would love your same old job. And there are hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands, maybe millions of people that would love to have your same old house. Your same old apartment. And there are lots of people that would love to be kissing your same old spouse. Now hopefully, you know, not, not today, but... Um, you see, we often spend so much time looking at all that we don't have that we want rather than looking at all that we have... And thanking God for all that we have. So Paul is in prison. He's been beaten for preaching. He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned. And what does he say? You know, I regularly kind of recant my life and thank God for his goodness and all that I get to experience. And so maybe when your mind's going in that worry wheel, you say, okay, time out, time out. Step one in the formula, step one. I need to celebrate the good things God has brought into my life. But that's not the most important thing we celebrate, is it? We don't celebrate all the cool things God's given us. We don't celebrate the gifts. We celebrate the forgiveness and the grace that God gives through Jesus in the gospel. And whenever those wheels turn, say, wait a minute. God loves me so much, he emptied heaven of its greatest treasure so he can be reconciled and spend forever with me. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he can. You know what? If you can stop the worry wheel and thank God for his goodness and his grace, you're well on your way to having worry diminish. Right? Paul knows what he's talking about. So first, celebrate. But that's not the only step in the prescription. Second thing he says is that we need to seek. Seek. Now here's how he says it. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, that primarily is not a statement on God's omnipresence, right? God is everywhere. So, Paul's not saying, you need to realize that God is omnipresent. That's true, by the way. But here's what Paul says We often live forgetting that God is present. And here's how it works if you live forgetting God's presence, you cannot live with gentleness. Because if you're not cognizant of the fact that God is present, you'll have to take life by the horns and try to maneuver and manipulate to get things to work out the way you want them to work out, darn it. Right? But if you know God is present and if you're aware of his nearness, you can relax knowing that he knows what he's doing and he actually controls the situations and circumstances even though we don't. Now, I'm not sure if you're like me or not, and in some ways I hope you're not, but I really am a creature of habit. I do the same things over and over. And over. So we know Charles, we're here every week, over and over. Um, uh, so here's my morning routine almost every morning. I get up about 5.30, um, I go into the bathroom, brush my teeth, shave, do all that stuff. I either go to the gym or I, whatever. I leave the bathroom, go out, and I hit the Keurig button while I shower. I come out, the Keurig's all warmed up, make my coffee, grab my Bible, go and sit down for every morning. Same exact thing, same drill, every morning. Uh, I leave home eventually, get dressed, leave home, kiss my wife, not my same old wife, my beautiful, loving wife. (laughs) Kiss her goodbye, and I head to Starbucks right here in the giant in Southern, stop at Starbucks. Then I come to church, then I come to the office uh, every day. You know, a few weeks ago, I'm walking through the kitchen to jump in the shower. I hit the Keurig button. So it comes on, I come out of the shower, the thing's still preheating. Boy, it's never done that before. So my whole day is ruined now, right? <laughs> what? I can't have my Keurig coffee? What, what do I do? do I, I, I can't read the Bible now if I don't have the coffee. Yeah. I can't go to work. Well, I, I guess I, what do I do? I mean, I'm, I was a mess, right? Another time I left, a Keurig, we figured out. You go on YouTube, will answer every question. You know what you do? So if your Keurig ever, you don't have to buy a new one. Boil water on the stove. <laughs> empty out the little reservoir deal. Pour the boiling water into the reservoir. And somehow it will recalibrate the preheating thing. That was weeks ago. Our curings are still working. I'm, I'm, I'm like a genius. <laughs> a YouTube genius. Well, a couple weeks after that, the Keurigs work and have that coffee, do the Bible thing, leave for it, stop at Starbucks, walk in. Starbucks opens at 6 every day, get there, you know, a little after that, I'm good. I walk in and Giants open. The Starbucks is dark. Huh. So I'm looking around. I go down to customer service. How do I get a coffee like nobody's in Starbucks? We don't know. Nobody came in. So I had to slum it and go to Dunkin'. <laughs> my whole week was a mess right drinking Dunkin dark roast instead of my Starbucks dark roast now here's a thought I had when I was reading Philippians 4-5 I expect every morning I hit this Keurig button that the preheating thing eventually stops and I make a Keurig coffee I expect the Starbucks to be open so I get my coffee at Starbucks so I can come to work when the Keurig doesn't work And the Starbucks isn't open. It just doesn't feel right. So here's the question. Charles, do you live with the same expectancy of looking for me? God says. Do you expect me to meet you and interact with you and listen to you and you listen to me? You have all these expectations on creature comforts. Do you expect... That I'm going to show up? Do you expect that we're going to engage and we're going to kind of walk through the day together? And I'll be honest with you, my answer was, uh, most days not. Most days I would never say it because I'm a a preacher, right? (laughs) Most days I live as this, you know, God, I got today handled. I'll check in another day when I have a big problem. Yeah, but God says, no, no, no. You need to live knowing I'm near. And so here's a little test that, I kind of live, and maybe you do too. Whenever you find your gentleness being replaced by arrogance, whenever you find your gentleness being replaced by manipulation, whenever you find gentleness being replaced with having your own way and pushing and pushing to try to get it, that's a pretty good indication that you're not living knowing God is near. Because you've got to take the bull by the horns and make it happen. Step one in the prescription celebrate step two seek to always remind yourself that God is near well we've got a a third one and this is uh, the verse we started with Philippians 4 6 do not be anxious about anything the Bible never says so just stop worrying the Bible says no 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 this is a replacement deal replace worry with something else celebration and seeking but here's the big one replace worry with prayer Here's a better word replace worry by surrendering all the things you're worrying about to God. Look, he mentions a bunch. Don't be anxious. Instead, pray. Make your petitions. That's requests. Give thanks to God. Give all the stuff to Him, the stuff you're tempted to worry about. Pray about it and give it to God. After all, you can't do anything about most of the stuff anyway. God can do something about every one of those things. And if God really is in control, And if God really loves you, as demonstrated by his giving Jesus for you, you can trust him to take those requests and work out the best for his glory and for your good. That's how we need to live. Surrendering those things. See, here's the the bottom line. Worry is actually rooted in pride. See, here's how worry works. We write the script... ...of how we think our lives should go, right? You know how today should go. You know how tomorrow. You know how your career should go. How your education should go. You know how your kids should go. How your grandkids go. You know how your parents should go. And we write this little script. We don't have the guts to write it on paper. We write it in our minds. And then we worry that God's not going to deliver... ...all the script as we've given it to Him. I'll let you in a little secret. God's not interested in blessing your plans... You know, sometimes I think Christians have this crazy idea that prayer is I draw up the plans, give them to God, and say, Now, Lord, bless these and give them to me. God's not interested in blessing your plans. God's interested in us getting in step with His plan. We continue what Jesus started, Jesus does not energize what we started. That's to put it backwards. So we surrender. Those things were tempting. Now, again, it's an active process, right? You can't just stop worrying. Instead of worrying, you need to celebrate. Instead of worrying, remind yourself God's near. And instead of worrying, surrender and pray. One more. Down in verse 8. I once had a a professor years ago said, Philippians 4, 8 is kind of like God's leash law in the Bible. Here's what Philippians 4, 8 says. Finally, brothers and sisters, don't worry. That's verse 6. Think about these things. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Rather than worry and get your mind spinning in that worry wheel, stop the process, pray, and then think about what's true and what's noble and what's right and what's pure and what's lovely and admirable. Make yourself think about those things. On a couple of occasions, um, I've had opportunity to be... uh, in um, the control tower of an airport, or a small airport. I want to be in a big one, a small airport. And uh, to listen to the conversation and like what the air traffic controllers do, it's pretty amazing. Because everybody has to ask their permission. Well, I'm calling the tower. Do I have clearance to back up? Yes, you're good to go. Uh, do I have clearance to enter the runway Yes. Yeah. Do I have clearance to take off Yeah, Do I have clearance to land? You know what? I want people to treat me like that. Charles, do I have clearance to spend 23 hours at the grocery store? Yes, 10 for on that. You're good to go. <laughs> Charles, can I do this? Uh, how about if I do, can I bring you a call? Yeah, to, really, to, you can bring me two. Uh, I want to be an air traffic controller to all the people and stuff in my life, right? I want to be the center. But then I was called up short. Because Paul says, in a sense, I am the air traffic controller. I'm the air traffic controller of my mind. I'm the air traffic controller of the thoughts that I allow to take root and to grow. I'm the air traffic controller of those things that I allow to germinate and perpetuate and the wheel keeps spinning. And I'm the air traffic controller that can say, you don't have clearance for those worry thoughts, but you do have clearance for thoughts of purity and truth and what's noble and what's right and praiseworthy. Say yes to those things and no to the... I am the air traffic controller of my mind. And Paul says, since worry is a mind thing, that's where we need to focus the energy. You may want to be the air traffic controller of all the people around you. God says, no, 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 that's my job. But he did say, you've been deputized to be the air traffic controller of your mind. Let's start there. And what's the result of this? There are four steps of the prescription. Celebrate, seek, surrender, and consider. Consider the good things. What's the result? And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. will guard your hearts and minds and trust Jesus. So rather than worry, be at peace. Rather than worry, rest. But there's the prescription. You can't be passive. You can't do nothing. You can't say, I'm just going to stop worrying. You'll worry every time. But if we can celebrate God's goodness and grace, if we can seek to remember his presence always, If we can surrender all the things that cause us worry into his hands, and if we can consider, as an air traffic controller, having the positive things take root, worry will diminish and peace will grow. I came across a really cool chart, so I'm going to show you the chart. Only take a minute or two. Um, there you are, or I am, see in the middle there? And you got the past and the future. Every one of us lives on that, lives on the line. So you've got a past and you've got a future. And a whole bunch of stuff in your past that you like. And some stuff you don't like. And a whole bunch of stuff in the future. Now here's the big temptation. We stand, you can't do anything about the past, can you? And you can't live life in the, pre, in the future. All you have is the present. Here's the problem. When we look to the past, we often live with regret and guilt, right? That's all stuff in the way. And when we look into the future, we live with fear and with worry, right? You can't do anything about that stuff in the past, and you can't live life in the future. All you can do is live in the present. What do you do in the present? You need to celebrate, need to seek, need to surrender, need to consider. That's what we need to do in the present. We also have kind of an inner life and an outer life. We talked about, you know, the air traffic controller of your mind, and then we have the outer world, right? In our mind, we worry the wheel gets going, right? We get stuck in a thing and we're drilling deeper and deeper and deeper. And in the outer world, we manipulate and we scheme. We try to get things the way we want by taking a bull by the horns, forcing our agenda, living as king of the universe. What does the gospel say? Here's what the gospel says. When you look to the past, live with Gratitude. When you look to the future, live in hope. Gratitude and hope. And as we live, considering and surrendering and living out the prescription, we will be able to live with gratitude and with hope. How about your inner world? God wants us, because of what Jesus has done and is doing, for us to live at peace on the inside. And how do we live in the outer world? Love and service. You see, we live life only in the present. Hopefully grateful for the past, hopeful for the future, peace on the inside, love and service on the outside. That's how we should live. Oh, yeah. And if you look at the four lines, they kind of make a cross. If you live life with the gospel at the center, that's how we will live. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for all that you've given us. Help us to be grateful. Lord, most of all, help us to be grateful for the grace that was given in Jesus, forgiving our sins and giving us purpose and putting us on the path of reconciliation with you and building reconciled relationships with others. Lord, we confess on the inside that often we live with the wheels of worry churning in the red zone. Lord, would you bring peace As we surrender and consider and we seek and we celebrate. And Lord, help us then to live lives of gentleness, love, and service to other people. Because we're not living for ourselves. We're living to continue what Jesus started. We pray in his name. Amen.